And away we go. It is the BCJ Podcast. Brought to you by the Holy Grail right here on BearcatJournal.com. Everybody is headed downtown to the banks these days. And while you're there, checking out the Reds, or uh, maybe even as we are getting close to training camp opening, going to, uh, to check out the Bengals, make sure you are stopping by to visit our good friends at the Holy Grail. I did so uh, over the weekend, got a little pizza while we were down doing the uh, the Swifty fun and, uh, you know, take care of the people that take care of us and visit our good friends at the Holy Grail. Hi, Dave. Hello. How you doing, buddy? I'm, uh, I'm good. How are you? Pretty good, pretty good. Had a uh, had a a good week so far. Checked yeah. out. Uh, got 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 to host my first ever sports talk. L- listen to w- some w- of that w- last night on the way home from from my parents. I, you know, I'm just trying to boost your numbers. The con, the I appreciate that. The topic I don't care about, but you know, you're you're my guy, so I'm gonna. I'm going to have it on and just not have the volume on. Hey, you know, every little bit counts, Dave. Every little <laughs> bit counts. It, look, I mean, you know, no, I didn't expect at this point in time to be talking much about the Reds this summer. Uh, yeah. <laughs> they have forced our hand. Uh, but, yeah, so that was a good time. I uh, was in for Mo on Monday and then Sports Talk yesterday. So get, getting my radio filled this week. But, uh, you know. It's uh, it's Big Twelve time, Dave. The Bearcats are in the Big Twelve. They are the the the, the all Big Twelve preseason team is out. Um, Dante Corleone has his own burger. That's a, a pretty cool deal to yeah. uh, to come out of the the NIL collective. Like it, it, it's it's crazy, Dave. Some some places are actually using NIL for what it was supposed to be used for. It's crazy. <laughs> Not just buying recruits. Wow. Uh, <laughs> and uh and much more. We we Big 12 Media Days coming up next week. So uh Keegan will be there. Might might have to sneak him onto the show next week. Absolutely. To, uh, I mean to me that's like the official kickoff of the football season. Uh you have two full days where like lots of media people will be there and there's actually like shows and interviews uh built around the football teams and not like here's your coach that just went to the college football playoff for eight minutes on espn plus uh you know and so it's it's fun as a tennessee fan i think sec media days is like it's way too much three days I mean, when Oklahoma and Texas join, is it going to be just a week long? Yeah, they're just going to go like four, four schools a day, all week. Oh, oh breaking uh, news. What's that? Cass Simmons, if you know, you know. Whoa! Huh. Hashtag trenches. Interesting. Interesting. Very interesting. I have a I have a suspicion, but I will. It's not anything I would feel good about 
not saying because obviously I'm not going to say it. But uh, but there you go. But as I was saying, if you, if you jumped on early, you got that one live. But uh, yeah, like the Big Twelve is going to have a media day that is that behooves a conference that cares about football, and I'm very excited uh, to check out what Keegan is able to to uncover. And, you know, come, does, he, does, does he get a one-on-one with Coach Satterfield? Does he, you know, what kind of questions is he asking him, other other coaches, about, you know, possibly about UC? Hopefully he doesn't uh, do any uh, tell-me-about questions because I don't <laughs> like those at all. Can, can you talk about, Coach, can, can you talk yeah. about – can you talk about how great your offseason was and how you got bigger, faster, and stronger and how all your recruits are great? Can, Coach, can you talk about – can you tell me about – yeah. they're always – they always uh, get really – really get to the, the heart of things. I feel like if I was a coach, I would just be like, no. No, I can't. Like, can can't you ask you. me a can't question that makes me think a little? Or do you want – are you going to ask me a question that you could literally just like – Go to the gobearcats.com and get the answer to it. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, no. I, I actually I can't know. Very, very fun. Uh, if it's anything like what was it? Um, I guess it was last media. Has it already been a year? Like that Brett Yormark's been there, or was that basketball? Well, like he was he was supposed to start like later, I think, right? And yeah, then, so I guess it has came, been I guess it early. has been a year because I remember, yeah. you know, uh media days or whatever back at you know at Cowboys Stadium. I assume that's where it is again. Um but no, it's uh it's good. We get to we get through next week and you're you're less than two months from opening kickoff, man. You are we are fast approaching September second. I mean we're we're getting there. We're we get to next week and we're two weeks from camp. Like, yeah, like we're three about three and a half weeks from camp right now. I think right at the beginning of August is when it's going to start. They they will be going out to Camp Higher Ground for anybody that was was curious about that. That will be happening. I don't know exactly if I recall cor- correctly, Dave. Most of the time, year one, they're not out there uh quite as long and then a coach experiences it that first year and then they're like oh we're spending every every day well i mean let's let's be honest we care about us so i would be more than delighted if they decided to you know have have a little bit more a a little a week or so back on campus i don't think it'll be a week i just i i just know that like thinking you know everybody because this is not no it's Higher ground is not normal. Like, it's not no. what college football teams do. So everybody gets here that first year, and they're like, eh, I mean, we'll go out there, but I don't know. And then they go out there, and they're like, oh, we're never we're never going home. <laughs> Can we just be here all the time? Um, yeah. So we'll see. I mean, that's just uh, – it's pretty standard. I've heard two weeks out there. Yeah, um, I know there have been time times that uh, it's been three weeks, two and a half weeks, three weeks, but uh, essentially you get a month from the from the first game. Yeah, so uh, two weeks sounds about about normal, about standard. So, 
looking forward to that. Uh, where, where would you like to start today, David? Where, where would you like to get moving? Uh, let's, um, since we, since apparently there's a, a new commitment, let's, let's start with, with Cruton. Cruton. Phoenix, Phoenix High School. Central or High Phoenix, School. Central High School in Phoenix, Alabama. City, Alabama. They, yes. They, correct. they seem to be pretty good. Yeah. I, I mean, obviously, I don't, I don't know. obviously Jaquan Sanks, the commit, yeah. um, corner, uh, Watched some tape. I think he's going to be slot or safety, depending on development, things of that nature. So why do you not think, why does he not project to the outside in your eyes? Because I think the things that he's really good at, he could be could be better utilized uh, closer to the line and more... You know, like a slight, like I think he's got really yeah. good, really good change of direction. Uh, like on some choice routes, he shows that he can really, you know, recognize it, get put his foot in the ground and mirror, mirror the route. Um, you know, from a size and maybe pure long speed standpoint, maybe not for the outside, but he played a, I mean, he's played a lot. In those type of roles, like he's played a, from what I've watched, he's played a lot close to the line of scrimmage. He's played a lot in the slot. He's got good, you know, good hips, good, good movement skills in space like that. So I'm thinking that you know, based on that very amateur evaluation, but I see like a slot guy who, if he does grow a little bit or or bulks up a little bit, could also be be a safety playing kind of the in between the hashes covering slot guys covering tight end stuff like that gotcha um, um but yeah phoenix city has a five-star receiver obviously red morgan who you see recruited very heavily uh that committed to florida state they have a defensive lineman committed to alabama they have another cornerback that's like a high three-star that is uncommitted yeah, they've they've got some guys. They've got a, a running back that's committed to Western Kentucky. It's in the top fifty in the state. Like he's gonna be around some good guys. And then with Red Morgan and another really good defensive back, he's I mean, I bet he he's probably gonna get some opportunities this year. I'm not saying that he's third, you know, third tier guy, but like something, you know. If you're going to throw in these guys, that's going to be tough sledding if you've got a safety going to Florida State, a corner going to UC, and then another another high-level corner. I, you know, it doesn't sound very fun to throw against. And they have a, they had a five-star receiver that just committed yeah, to it. Yeah, committed they? to um, – actually, like a pretty big stunner committed to Texas A&M. Yeah. Yeah, that's uh, it's a lot of talent. You don't, you don't find many high schools that uh, pump out – and I mean that's it's the same high school as JQ Hardaway. Yeah, JQ was at. Mm-hmm. So very clear that, and I remember that year they had a bunch of dudes as well. Wonder if wonder if they get 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 into the Cruton game a little bit down there and is it Phoenix? There's no, it's not yeah. spelled Phoenix. I it? don't know. Yeah, there's a there's a letter missing. Yeah, there's, it's spelled Phoenix. So Phoenix maybe, but I don't know. I mean, but uh, I I really like you know. Talking about this class specifically, 17 commits. 
I really like what they've done in the secondary because I think you've got a little bit of everything. You've got, you know, your what I imagine is your outside, your true outside guy in Daniel James. You've got some high level safeties in, uh, you know, Quavo Sabor and Willie Goodwin could have some position flex on those guys. You've got, and then you've got Gravy Johnson, who we list as a safety, but at 6'2, 170. I mean, DBs is hard. Like, who knows? Because what does their high school team need? Like, are the rest of the DBs just straight trash? And so they need you to, like, play outside corner and match up with the other team's best receiver, even though that might not be where you project at college? Are you on a team like um, Jaquan Sanks is where you have a lot of good DBs and maybe you're playing slot because they just need you to play slot because they got two other really good guys playing safety and outside. Right. And maybe that's not where you project in college. Right. So it's hard, but it, I, I like the kind of everything that they've done there with five guys that, you know, there's probably going to, some of them are going to stick a corner. Some of them are going to stick at safety. Some might move around a little bit, depending on how the defense operates. But, you know, you've got a couple guys that, you know, I think good uh, Goodwin has, like, high, high-level speed. I think the other guys have uh, good to really good speed. But I think that's been the biggest thing, too, out of this class as a whole that I was looking for was, you know, they needed – I felt at least they needed – to, and these guys probably, you know, very unlikely they'll they'll contribute next year. But moving to the Big Twelve, I mean, you just got to get faster. I think that's the thing that's, um, that's the thing that I we've talked about when they've played the highest level teams. It's obviously been in the trenches. I mean, but that was that's been the case forever, and that's yeah. hopefully rectifies itself over time. It's not going to fix itself in one year. Um, but I think the speed on the outside too, when you play some of the elite teams that have, you know, serious speed at running back, serious speed at wide receiver, the defense I felt needed to get faster. And I think with, with these, with this group, and then you, you throw in, you know, Kale Woodburn, Dakari Anderson on offense, like those dudes can burn on the outside. So Samaj, Samaj Jones, it's got wheels for QB. Yeah. Uh, I, I think they're doing a pretty good job in that regard. Well, that's – if you're spending as much time recruiting the South as they are recruiting the South in this cycle, you would hope that you recruit the South to get speed. Yeah. Nobody's like, let's go get the, let's go get the big boys from the South. No, let's go get the wheels from the South. Yeah. I mean, I think you just – like, anymore – Georgia, Florida, Alabama, Louisiana, like they got, I mean, there's just a population migration down there, South Carolina, North Carolina, like that's where the players are, man. Like I know we've talked about it at nauseum. Like I actually looked it up because I was just interested. Like Ohio hasn't had a five-star for three cycles. They have about, they have about 10 to 13, four stars, give or take going back to 2020. Um, and it's, it's still, you know, it's not that it's not important, but like you got to get the players and if the players are not here anymore, then you got to go get them. 
Right. You know, it just it doesn't feel like Ohio is is at, at least currently producing talent like they have been. No, I mean it's still good, and you, it's still yeah, but in it's, the it upper just, echelon it, of states that that UC could realistically recruit. Like UC is not realistically recruiting Texas or California, um, right? So like Ohio is still very high with of with talent, but like Georgia, Florida are ahead of them. You know, they're probably in a similar place, maybe still better, but. The gap is shrinking with Michigan. Um, so, you know. Yeah, I mean, Michigan's coming in. Like, these are all things that you have to kind of – I know just because UC's in Ohio, like, okay, well, then they have to, to be great in Ohio. Fix it, Wisconsin. Freeman's at Notre Dame. Like, like the, the competent Michigan is dipping back in because they're not getting their ass kicked by Ohio State every year now the competition for Ohio for a shrinking number of high level kids is getting more and more intense. Yes. And it's interesting too, because like Ohio state has the chance to have like a, one of the best recruiting classes ever. Um, Right. But yeah, like, I think they'll probably lose to Michigan for a third year in a row. So it's like it's this weird, this weird balance of what of what's going on there. But yeah, I mean, we need to still make our hay in that fifteen to forty re- ranking, regardless of what the ranking is. Like you've got to stock up on those dudes. Those dudes develop. They stick around. They they want to they want to be a part of the program. So. You know, it's we'll see in the 2025 class um, what they do. I mean, I think there's still maybe a couple guys in the 24 class. I mean, so many guys are committed already. So, but yeah. we'll see. Um, but no, I mean, back to Sanks. I think they're doing a really good job in the in the DB room, safeties and corners. And now they've got to, you know, address what I, you know, keep adding off. I mean. We all want tackles, but so does everybody else. But just yeah. keep adding offense. You got to find quali- Keep adding quality offensive and defensive linemen. I mean, we're going to graduate a lot of D linemen this year, um, so or go pro. Uh, so they need they need to restock that room as well. So, yep, inside and outside. Oh yeah, not like across not, not just... across the D line, like. All right, that's Cruton. Maybe we'll maybe we'll have something to talk about on the nightcap tomorrow night or sometime soon. Did you get my text? <laughs> I did. Is that what you thought? No, is that a surprise? Yes. No, it is what you thought. No, not a surprise. Yeah. All right. Um, th- sometimes we just talk it out. Uh, Dave, the Big Twelve. <laughs> The media preseason uh, football team is out. The Bearcats have two representatives. Dante Corleone on the defensive line, no surprise. And the first team or the, you know, the the punter, Mason Fletcher. Also, kind of no surprise, right? Like, we had a feeling he was going to be no. 
the best punter in this conference entering the league. Maybe the best punter. In the yeah. Uh, yeah, I would think so. I mean, if there was a, let's see, he was first team. I'm, I got my athlon in front of me, so I know it's not, but he was first team. Texas Tech's punter was second team, and Texas is his third. So I don't know anything about either of those guys, but if they were better than Mason Fletcher, then they must be pretty damn good. He's so damn good. <laughs> Mason being first team is not a is not a surprise. No. Corleone obviously getting all of the love. Um, was there anybody else you thought maybe could sneak in there? Like mm. maybe a Deshaun Pace? On first team? Yeah. I no. mean, that's what makes it hard is this is yeah. just first team. No, it's just, and I just like I don't I don't know enough of these big twelve guys yet to be like, oh my gosh, I can't believe this guy made it over, you know, so and so. Um, but no, not, not on first team. Um, there's another Kobe Bryant. Yes. At Kansas. Yeah. That plays corner. Yes. He, he spells his name C O B E E E E. Right. You gotta, you gotta get creative when you're stealing somebody's <laughs> name. That's right. <laughs> uh, nobody from any of the other newcomers. Right? Or no, uh, BYU's got an offensive lineman. Yep, Kinsley, Kingsley, whatever. Yeah, um, uh, Kingsley. Suamatia. Yeah. See, like that, I mean, he must have, no, he, see that, this is just, he's third team in, on Athlons. 6'6", 315, sophomore from Orem, Utah. Yeah, he's a big dude. But yeah, nobody for nobody for Houston, nobody for UCF. Are you surprised at the size of the like six six is the biggest one? Six five, three oh five, six four, three thirty-five, six four, three eighteen, six three, three ten. Like that's not very big by tradition, like what we yeah, what I, mean, I think of as six five, like, six five or taller at tackle and like three yeah. fifteen to three thirty. I mean, the kid at Kansas State, The I guess he's a guard, 6'4", 335. It still shows you, I mean, even to the Big 12, it shows you the difference of, like... The SEC. The and SEC the and, like, and what... Really just the SEC. I mean, the SEC out is the one that's putting out those... I just think of the Georgia and Alabama guys, like the DJ Flukers and the Andrew Thomases, that are, you know, Broderick Jones this year that's just, like, Six 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 seven three thirty. Darnell Wright from Tennessee this year. Like even the Big Ten's not putting out very many guys in that range, right? So yeah. So I mean, I know we've talked a little bit about some, some maybe what in our eyes, you know, might be considered undersized to play tackle. But you know, going off of those Big Ten numbers or Big Ten guys. Just looking strictly at the heights and weights, I, I guess maybe that's not the case. Yeah, I mean, it, it just it didn't – and that's not to say that they're not scattered around the league. I'm just saying maybe this expectation that you have to go get these six, seven, 330-pounders at tackle isn't as true as maybe we, like, you know. Right. 
kind of thought coming into this. If that's, uh, you know what I mean? Oh, no, I do, for sure. Like, um, the the recent offensive line commit. Um, damn it. Uh, Jace Mitchell, you know, six three two seventy five. But I know the staff thinks yeah. like he's got long enough arms. Like, and you probably do want him bigger than six three. But sure, it's it's you know maybe it's not out of the the realm of possibility that you can you can make some things happen with guys that aren't six six plus and three twenty five plus whatever. Mm-hmm. So yeah. Um all right, let's uh anything else on the uh the the the, the player of the year, Jalen Daniels at Kansas, that surprised you? O- the offensive player of the year. I no, guess. I mean he was really, really good last year until he got hurt, and Kansas was yeah. pretty damn good until he got hurt. So I mean if he stays healthy, then I could see that. I don't now. If we're, you know, I don't see their defense being good enough for for them to make a, a serious play for the conference. But just from a strictly offensive standpoint, I mean, they were second in scoring last year, fifth in rushing, fifth in passing, fourth in total yards. So they, you know, I don't know what they necessarily what they return. They've got an offensive lineman thought highly of they've got a running back thought highly of so they you know they have some guys offensively that could help them out so it's not it's not a huge huge surprise to me and then trace uh jaylon 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 daniels jaylon ford linebacker yeah, texas the defense I've heard player of the years i've heard, everything i've heard about him is that he's a bad dude like that that definitely doesn't surprise me. <laughs> and then Again. Treshawn Ward from Kansas State. No idea. As the newcomer <laughs> of the year. No clue. Um he's a transfer, right? Um, I mean I would imagine because I I doubt a true freshman's getting newcomer of the year marks. For a red shirt freshman, um, I don't even know what position does he play. Florida State running well, back, I guess. Oh, okay. All right, yeah. So, yeah, we'll see. He's a part timer for uh, another guy Florida we don't have State. to worry about. No, it's nice. <laughs> Just, just take all those guys at the the top of the list and say, well, they, they will have to worry maybe about Jalen Daniels. If he can yeah. stay healthy through the season. Yeah. Uh, get him playing, at the end of the year. Playing the last game of the year, so maybe maybe we won't. <laughs> <laughs> but don't have to worry about Texas. Don't have to worry about K-State. Uh, the other kind of newsy thing is uh, Dante Corleone getting his own burger. Have you eaten at this place, Buckethead? No, I have not. I have not either. I don't. It, it's it's on the west side somewhere, I believe. Uh, but th- this is what NIL was supposed to be, right, Dave? Yes, 
Right. It's refreshing to see. And it, what he's, he gets two dollars for every burger sold. Two dollars for every so, burger yeah. in his name. That's not yeah. bad. It's not bad. Yeah, I hope hope a bunch of them are sold. Hope it's a good burger. And is it only for like restaurant week? No, I think it's like an ongoing. Or is that thing. when it like starts? I think it's when it starts. Okay. I think it's like an ongoing menu item for uh, for the big fella. But like I, I just like I think that's you know that's the spirit of what it was supposed to be. You get a hometown kid. He's marketable especially on the west side you find a restaurant you create something like this the kid gets a little scratch like i don't know it, i know i know we knew it, it wasn't a surprise that when nil became a thing that it was going to be used in a manner that it was not intended but it is nice to still see there's there is some sanctity in how this is being done yeah, I mean, it's you know, it allows him to, you know, promote himself. I mean, he can jump on Twitter or whatever and be like, "Hey, you know, come check out my burger. Would really, you know, really appreciate it. I've eaten them seventeen days in a row, and they're delicious, or you know, or whatever, whatever the case may be." But yeah, I mean, I that's... think Nico might have a problem with that, but <laughs> depends on what else. I mean, if you ate a cheeseburger every day, but Everything else you ate was good. Maybe it's all right. I mean, I, it's a cheeseburger topped with brisket and, and a, an onion, uh, ring. onion ring. Yeah. He's trying to stop dudes from running. I'm, I'm not looking for him to be eating <laughs> salads. and. Yeah. I think they're also not looking for him to be 360 again. So. No. <laughs> no. We'll see. We'll see. What, what, what do you got, Dave? What do you want all right. To so about? I, got, I got the 2023... Big 12 unit preview rankings. Now, this needs to be taken with a little bit of grain of salt coming from Athlon because there's been some movement since our info was given to them and, you know, put into... Yeah, into print. Right. So I think some of these are off, but it's not... It's because they had to do this in March or whatever. Right, and then guys moved. Like you know, Alton McCaskill for Houston is still listed on the roster, and their running back ranking is ninth out of fourteen. I think that's too high because you, if you were ranking it based on having Alton McCaskill, then obviously it would be lower now that he's not going to be there. Right. So I'm going to give you the Bearcats. Just give me the first thing that jumps out to you as far as, you know, what you think is maybe too high, too low, or feels right. Okay. So, as remember, this is out of 14 teams. Quarterback, 12th. Running back, 14th. Wide receiver. Too low. That's the one I was like, that doesn't make any sense. Wide receiver, 13th. O-line, 14th. And then defense, D-line second, linebackers eighth, DBs fifth. Um, Texas is number one across the board. So they are officially, officially, officially back. Number one in everything. 
Every At every position. Every one. position. Every position. That's interesting. Yeah. Um, I think wide receiver is going to end up being too low, but I get it. Right. You know, like I understand if you're if you're like, look, like they've got one returning guy, and he's been kind of a just a, a role, guy, a role guy. Yeah, like you know, I, I think Chris Scott has a chance to be pretty dang good, mm-hmm. but at this point, like, just a guy. Um. Offensive line. I mean, I guess I, I can't argue it. You know what I mean? It's hard. Like, it's hard for me to. I don't know. Like, are they? Is it the worst offensive line in the league? Maybe. I don't know what to compare it to. Like, I have no idea what these teams have at offensive line. For me to say, this is outrageous. I think the running back one is outrageous. Like, I do not yeah, think that doesn't make any under sense. any circumstances, whether people have left or not left, that they are that they have the worst running back room in the conference. Right. That one's hard for me to, to believe, even without knowing um, anything about the I other. Mean, they've, got a, they've got a four-star running back. Yeah. And, and UCF is 13th, and I like DJ Harvey and Johnny Richardson. It's like, man, these other teams must have just insanely good running backs. Iowa State is 12th, and they ran for three point. We'll get to into that later with our guest. But they're 12th, and they ran for 3.3 yards of carry last year. Right. So, like, can't all be on the offensive line. And then offensive line, um, I think 14th is too low because I, I feel like I feel pretty good about the interior of the line. Yeah. So – you know, I, I get some some trepidation because we're uncertain about how things are going to play out at tackle. But I feel pretty good about the interior. Like, yeah, I just don't know enough about the other the groups. other teams. I just fourteenth to me. No matter how good the conference is, if you're listed at fourteenth, that's not good. No, for sure. I don't know, but but what what what? I guess what makes me feel better? Tenth. Yeah, like like, I, that, like I, if I, they were twelfth, you'd be would you, we wouldn't be like oh wow that I mean great yeah right. it'd be like ah twelfth I get it there's a lot of question there's a lot of unknown they're probably there's, gonna there's like no difference there right um, so yeah I just I. The defensive know, but... line one is is encouraging because for the same reason that we don't like it's hard to say, you know, should their offensive line be 14th when we don't know much about the other teams. For the for whoever ranks this, yeah, to still think that they're number two going into a league that most people would think would have a higher level of trench talent, I to me that's really encouraging. That like this unit coming from the AAC is still looked at as uh, a truly, like, very, I won't say elite, but a truly really good offensive or defensive line. 
Yeah, and especially because they don't, it's not like they've got a, a Maje, like where they've got this, you know. We know yeah, there's this, no one like, that they're pointing to and is like, this dude is coming off a 13-sack season. And Greziak is progressing. Greshik, Greshik, but you're still project. You're still projecting his numbers from to translate, right? As a from coming from the Mountain West up to the Big Twelve. Yeah. So. Um, no, that's encouraging. I think linebacker they're going to be better than than. That. I think they'll I think be good. Be- uh, linebacker to me, like, I'm not going to say it doesn't matter, but like. If you're going to be lower in one of the three between defensive line, linebacker, and secondary, I'm fine being a little bit lower at linebacker. Also, like we've talked about, like I, I feel like they they only really have two actual linebackers, yeah, slated to be on the field. I, and that's I, I, yeah, and that's the other thing so. with the rankings, like the people probably don't know exactly how guys are going to be used and and things of that nature, so. You know, is someone that's listed as linebacker really, you know, 60% of the time going to be a defensive lineman? Well, yeah, Greshik's listed as a linebacker, but he's playing. Like, did they consider him a rush end? Right. That's what I, I would that's have what... to assume they considered him a rush end. Yeah, because of, of he's a, I mean, that's what he was last year. But Yeah. So, I mean, I don't know. I, I, I get everybody is going to have massive questions about the offense. Like they're just gonna like, like there, there's no other way. Well, how can you not around that? Uh, yeah. All the players weren't, weren't here or didn't play a lot last year. Right. Like and now they're really playing a new, new system. If you really go through it, Gavin Gerhardt at center. And. Corey Kiner. Ruck, maybe like what if Miles Montgomery wins the job? But I mean, like, but I'm just saying, like, of the guys coming back, and and Kiner was like the number three or four running back essentially last year. So, yeah, I like I get the doubt on offense or the kind of defaulting to, like, I, I'll believe it when I see it that they're going to be good on offense. Like, I I understand that, right. I mean, even, you know, tight end, like Shaman. Shaman might have had a bigger role last year, but he got hurt. Right. And everybody complained that they didn't use the tight ends enough anyway. So I I, I, I don't think there's much to disagree with other than, like, I don't know about last. Like, running back, I do think th- they're not that bad at running back. Unless it's just a league where, you know, everybody's, you know, the 85 Bears with Walter Payton. I I know it's a league with a lot of good running backs, but I have a hard time believing Cincinnati is the worst running back room in the conference. I agree. That's just me. Offensive line, I'm not going to argue with you. They have one returning guy. Like, if you want to say that, and it wasn't, and the unit wasn't good last year, right? So, having new guys doesn't automatically equate to better, sure. But there's also that thing where, like, well, they you know, they were bad last year, but they got everybody back, so they should be better. Uh, where's the empirical evidence in that? (laughs) 
I always laugh at that. Like a team wasn't good last year, but they've got everybody back. So they should be better this year. No, they, they got everybody back from bad. Right. What, what, what makes you believe they're going to be better? Well, that's what I'm going to be asking our Iowa state guest when he arrives is their offensive line. Wasn't any good. They didn't run the ball very well at all. Four out of five starters seem to be back. According to my magazine, is that good? <laughs> right. Like the whole like experience thing only matters if the experience if coming good. back was good. Right. Like Cincinnati coming off of 2021 going into 2022. That made sense. Yeah. Or going coming off of 2020. And going you don't into just automatically get better the older you get. Right. I mean, I guess that hypothetically there's improvement, but if you how bad, much improvement do you what, go from you improve to to three point seven yards a carry instead right. of three point three? Still bad, <laughs> right? Just, just less bad, less bad, a little less bad. Uh, what else we got? We got anything? Like we got we got another like nineteen minutes to kill before. Well, hope, hopefully, before Nick shows maybe. up, right? He said, yeah, around nine, maybe, you know, maybe sooner. I mean, depends on how, what, dinner with family w- was going. Um, where, they, where were they having dinner? Were they, I, we're gonna have I, to I, I didn't get into that much detail with him. Um, <laughs> but speaking of the the Godfather cheeseburger, if there was, uh-huh. if you could have a food named after you, what would the food be? Probably a sandwich. I'm a sandwich guy. I, I, like I love this. a good sandwich. And t- what would be on this sandwich? Um, you put me on the spot here. Sandwich uh, creating a sandwich is tough though because, like, there's so many already good, like, like sandwiches. Like yeah. I, I it doesn't I'm have like, to be like a innovative one. Like I would just have like an Italian some food. kind of a, like probably. Probably some kind of Italian because there's a bunch like it. So my favorite sandwich is probably a really well executed Cuban. Yeah. Because when you get that like Cuban, like when they pork, actually like actually roasted the pork and like good right. ham and yeah, right. good pickles. Like I, and I had a Cuban the other day that like it was it was barbe- it was pulled pork. It was like yeah. smoked pork. I feel like that's and not the same. It's good, but it's not. It doesn't taste like a Cuban. No. And you got to get the bread and the right panini mm-hmm. press. Like, yes. You know, an Italian, you can go a lot of different ways with it. Right. I almost, do you, are you like me? Do you almost get offended when you see an Italian that just has like uh, two, like ham and pepperoni? Or it like, has to be. Okay. So, like, I I'm not really, I I'm not really a ham, I'm not really a ham guy, a true ham guy. Well, prosciutto is supposed to be prosciutto. Right, but you see, like, a lot of the, like, whatever, fast food, fast casual places will have salami, pepperoni, and ham. Yeah. Just regular ham. If this was me, I'm going pepperoni, Genoa salami, mortadella, and spicy capicola. Those are my four meats. I'm down with it. I'm down with it. I'm on a. I've, I've talked about it. I'm on a carbonara kick, so maybe I'd, I'd have a good carbonara, like some real, legit, 
carbonara. Like a two-pound yeah. bowl of carbonara. Yeah. The like, Brendel. Yeah, the Brendel. <laughs> so a giant bowl of carbonara. You got it's gotta be fresh made pasta. You know, it, it's gotta be it's gotta be the real deal. I think yes, I think there should be more more foods named after college athletes. It's fun. Yeah. Like, find, uh, find your I favorite hope, spot. Get, hope get they do. I hope they yourself. keep the the skyline uh, thing going. I thought that was fun. I didn't see that last year. Like, I don't think did, I don't either. I don't remember. Maybe they didn't do it last year. I don't know. Everything runs together for me. Would it depend on? Would also it depend on like like your restaurant, like what spot it is, like what kind of food you would have named after you. <laughs> Reagan says she wakes up every day thinking about an Italian sandwich. Yeah. Reagan and I have a lot in common, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> what What's the best Italian in the city? <sighs> well, it the used one, my to favorite is doesn't exist anymore. Neither does mine. There was a spot in like old Mount Washington that was like a New York style. Now it's a. Um, pizza place that I know that has a couple locations around town that is good pizza on the east side um the name is going to escape me but um that's it was like in old Montgomery old old like old Mount Washington not even really considered Anderson um right by where our first house was yeah I liked I liked that one a lot um outside you know it's Mine was Fred, Fred and Gary's. Yeah, that one's that good. Downtown, that one was really good, but the, they're closed. They're no longer. They're no longer with us. Yeah, it, it goes. I mean, there's just, you know, I'm not gonna give a fast casual place. No, I mean, they're some of them are fine and they're good when you when you want an Italian sandwich. Not because there's just not a lot of options. There's not a lot of there's. It's one of my big misses in Cincinnati in general. There's not a lot of delis, period, no. where you go in and get a sandwich made. There's not enough. Well, yeah, there's hardly sure. any. Yeah, there needs to be many, many more. And so, like, I'm you know, my my northeastern roots, and like when I would live in New York or when I lived in Rhode Island, and you go into just like a convenience store, basically, and you get a bagel sandwich in the morning, and you can get yeah. a. Uh, uh, sub or whatever they call it hoagie for lunch or dinner like that's that was the those are the spots we don't have much of that in the in this part of the country no no and the ones that do out there they try but it, it doesn't doesn't you know what i i think one of the big problems here is i don't think there's a lot of there's not much good bread selection yeah in this town actually you know what i would have named after myself <laughs> what's that the the spicy chicken parm at the bread bowl. Oh yeah, I never. I that never, would have been the Brendel. I never got to have one of those. That's a top three sandwich I've ever had anywhere in the world. Like that was, that would have been the Brendel. There, there, there you go. I have had Carl's Deli Reagan. It's it's good. I have not. It's good. That was um. I think that was Kelly. I, that's what I got for Kelly for her birthday. Was Carl's Deli. So yeah, so there is, there's a sentimental tie to Carl's Deli. Apparently, it reopened in May under new owners. Who? 
Carl's Deli. I, mean, I guess it was closed for a time. Yeah, it was. Yeah. Okay. Now it's open. I went in. I went in March. Oh, okay. So they might. It must have been a quick turnaround. Yeah. <laughs> but uh, no. How about uh, what Peach? We'll go. We'll switch it up to some basketball real quick. Peach Jam just started. Is that right? Today? And that no. It actually. Or did that? Did they? Did it they play? On the third. They played on the Fourth of July. That's nice of them. Yeah. Like. Yeah. You had like, why would you do that to these families? They uh, they had to be. They played on the third, and then I think on the fourth of July, they instead of doing like a full day, I think everybody had one game. You couldn't have just started it today. The way that they've been doing Peach Jam the last couple years is it's it it runs for like normally these events are like four days, five days tops. Like it runs for like seven or eight days. Um, so I guess the only way that they could do it to line up with Sunday being the the day that coaches the, like the, the last day championship the or whatever. So the coaches can watch the championship, they had to start it on the third and go third through the ninth. Don't. Well, I mean, I, I, I don't like it at all. I have, nothing, but, I have nothing to do with it, so it doesn't inconvenience me in the slightest. But I just think that that's kind of a a crappy thing to do to to families and people that you know. Like, I get this time off of work, but I, instead of just spending it with my family or taking it, I have to drive to you know South Carolina to go watch a basketball event. I agree. I, me and Nike, I, I, I know ways around now, like the way Nike does things, but they make it really difficult. It's, it's a pain in the ass every year, especially down there. Um, they've even gotten so far as like, they deny the media. Uh, but though, you know, you can, you can pay, you can go pay whatever to get in every day. Uh, and they will gladly take your money. Right. But they won't give you media credentials. It's I don't know, like the company that runs the 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 stuff around it just it drives me nuts. Luckily, I've been around long enough that you know I have a perfect. I have climbing. Yes, Nick, what's going on? How are you? What's up, guys? Good to see you. You too. Good to see Thanks. ya. Thanks for coming on. You have p- perfect timing. Oh, yeah. Good, good. I'm sorry it was a little late. Just had a family dinner. No, what, we, what, were, what, we were what just was talking dinner? about some food. So, Oh, nice. Um, so I'm actually I'm seeing some family here in Wisconsin uh, where I'm from. So it was a spot I grew up uh, going to and got a little barbecue mac and cheese tonight. There you go. Can you yeah. drive to, to Madison and slash Fickle's tires for us? Oh, I don't think I can do that, guys. I don't think so. I didn't even think of that connection. <laughs> no, we're kidding. We're kidding. Luke is a good friend. I know. To me. Maybe not Dave, but to me. <laughs> no. <laughs> I've heard he's an awesome guy. Yes, sir. He's a good he is a good guy. But uh, but thank you for joining us. Uh co- obviously cover Iowa State. Yep. Um so just wanted to, you know, kind of get your thoughts on this upcoming season. And I'll kind of start it with 
from the outside last year was I would say and from in from your perspective too, probably a pretty big big struggle. Matt Campbell made several staff changes, you know, one of which was offensive coordinator uh, Tom Manning, who was hired at UC for a short period of time. Another before, connection there, yeah. <laughs> before heading off to the NFL. Uh, is, it, is it fair to say it's make or break season for Coach Campbell, or has he kind of built up enough equity in, in the previous years with the fans and the administration that, he could possibly withstand another season similar to last. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting question, David. I would say, you know, it's not make or break for him. Uh, just the way that, you know, he's respected, almost revered at times around Iowa state, what he's done with the program, you know, it certainly does not hurt. Uh, I would say just had their first, first round pick in the draft uh, for football yep. in a very long time. So, you know, I, I definitely wouldn't quite say that, though I will say, you know, I think it's an ever important season to really show a little bit improvement compared to last year. I don't think they need to go, you know, eight and four, nine and three, something like that. But I, I think, guys, they need to be bowling again. Uh, you know, I, I think that there's enough talent on this team. They, they lost some major names the last two years, but the recruiting classes have continued to really kind of show some more talent and depth. I think that the new hires or some of the shakeups, like the promotion of OC Nate Shieldhouse, I should say to OC, I think that's a really, really smart move, guys. I think that, you know, this, this staff, I get the chance to see him a little bit at prospect camps and things like that. You know, I think there's a lot of kind of energy infused into the program right now, and I think – while improvement is expected and should be there, I wouldn't say make or break, Dave. Right, because and that probably was too much of a either or. But you you know, typically you see a coach that's been in a place for a little while has built them up from, you know, I won't say nothing, but like has clearly had some of the best years in Iowa State history, and then he makes a bunch of staff changes. So you almost get the sense of like, well, is he doing this to save his job because someone told him he needed to, or or how is you know how is kind of that dynamic worked? So, you know, understanding that and understanding the offensive struggles last year, how is new offensive coordinator Nate Shieldhouse? Are they changing it completely? Is he kind of tweaking it around the edges? You know, what should we expect offensively this year compared to the last couple? Yeah, I would say, you know, more of kind of from what I've garnered, and we don't necessarily get a lot of uh, on-field viewing access, at least throughout kind of spring ball and fall camp coming up. But, you know, I feel like I've got a pretty good idea. I don't expect them to really try to, like, reinvent the wheel, as they say. Uh, you know, I think the offense will, will look similar. I think that in the latter part of, you know, kind of last year towards, yeah, a little bit more toward the end, I would say, you know, things got a little better at times in terms of like spreading the ball, tight end usage. And there's a lot of talent at some of those pass catching positions. I see some of those areas uh, maybe being spread out a little bit more, specifically with Xavier Hutchinson now in the NFL. Mm -hmm. I think that the run game will be a major factor, especially as you hope the health is a little better around the program, uh, specifically at tailback. And then, you know, I'm, I'm sure there will be twists and plenty of new plays and things like that. Uh, there's obviously a new 
offensive line coach as well, which has been major in terms of a lot of the buzz coming out of the program, um, you know, kind of some of the ways he's instilled confidence in these young guys and the team throughout. I think it'll be intriguing, guys. I, I wouldn't say necessarily completely different, though. Okay. We are talking to Nick Oson. Oson, right? Yeah, perfect. Yep. Right? Perfect. Iowa State beat reporter here on uh, 24-7 Sports. And uh, this segment, as always, the Big 12 look ahead as we, we get a, a feel for the Big 12 teams that Cincinnati is uh, going to be joining for this first season. is brought to you by Team Ticker. See right there? Right there behind me. It's a one-of-a-kind sports sign for Bearcats fans. It's a high-tech retro display that provides daily updates of the latest news, stats, schedules, betting odds, and much more. No subscription required. If you're looking for that perfect addition to your man cave or a gift for that special Bearcats fan, go to teamticker.com and pick up your team ticker today. Local company started by two UC alumni. Easy to hang up. But we keep trying to tell Dave that, but he <laughs> insists that he has to overhaul his whole house to get his team ticker installed. It's a high-tech retro-looking display, and they are officially licensed through the Collegiate Licensing Company and magic manufactured right here in Ohio. There you go. I just wanted to get that read in. There you go. Hopefully it's we, pretty they, sweet, isn't it? Hopefully yeah. they, they sell a bunch and you can get them for really a bunch of programs. Cool, I, I actually had my eyes on it a little bit before. That's pretty sweet. Yeah, when you when the at kickoff of every game, it plays the fight song. Wow. Yeah. And do and I then, see okay, total wins number and, and an opponent there as well? Oklahoma total wins predicted and over under is nine and a half. Like they just update with with you know, it's it's yeah. like six minutes. The scroll is like six minutes of stuff that you get every day. That's really, really cool, cool, man. Very cool. Teamticker.com. Go check it out. Let's let's stick on the offensive side. Big issue last year was running the ball, three point three yards a carry. Going off of Athlon, four out of the five starters that they list are returning on the offensive line. Is that accurate? And two, is that are we to expect improvement based on the Offensive line coach change, maybe some offense change, or the or we should we also maybe see a jump from these guys? Sometimes experience doesn't equal better. So, you know, what what are kind of your feelings on the offensive line this year? And is that kind of where everything starts for Iowa State? So I'll say it it's absolutely, you know, David, where everything starts. I think you can definitely look at that. Um, you know, after kind of a, a tough couple of years, we'll say maybe with some of the a little bit of the run game, you know, being tough. Obviously, Brees Hall was was a superstar. That speaks a lot to his ability, as, as we saw in the next level. Uh, you know, I, I think this is a time where experience is generally a good thing. I expect several of those returners, David, to, to be starting again. Uh, you know, maybe a, a young guy here or there. A couple, a couple names have been buzzing since the spring. Um, you know, outside of that, I just feel like, again, you know, stuff like this, it maybe it sounds cliche, but I'm telling you, being around these guys, there's a new level of just energy, buzz, like trust, focus with the, the offensive line, just in terms of some things cleaning up. And that's not just because of Coach Ryan Clanton, who has done a great job so far, but the new strength coach, Reed Kage, you know, he seems to be making very quick and important dividends, uh, you know, with within the O-line really throughout the entire team, but especially especially some of those linemen. 
I think that's a spot that there is a lot of room to grow. And while it may not be like a top level unit quite yet, I anticipate it being heavily, heavily improved. We met, you mentioned the Xavier Henderson or Xavier Hutchinson, excuse me, uh, heading off to the NFL. Who are kind of the, the playmakers, so to speak, that if this offense is going to, you know, it was 20 points-ish per game last year, last in the league, and, and 10 points per game last compared to the ninth-place team. Who who are the guys that are going to help that unit as a whole really kind of get closer to that 30-point-per-game number? Yeah, so a guy that's been around a few years now, this is year three, Jalen Knoll. Uh, he's shown incredible flashes, I think, of the Texas game I was at last year. You know, he's a speedster, good, really, actually, I shouldn't say good, great route runner, good hands, uh, needs to kind of put it all together, and I anticipate that he will this year. He'll have a featured role, as will new wideout Jaden Higgins from Eastern Kentucky. Uh, he's somebody that's got gotten and garnered a lot of buzz really since spring ball. I, you know, I saw him a little bit at these prospect camps. Certainly looks the part of like an X, you know, kind of sizable wideout. And then I'll mention a couple tight ends. I've said this player on a few shows this week, Gabe Burkle. He's a, he's a young guy, David, I'll, I'll throw out there, class of 2022 tight end. You know, was pretty solid recruiting win. Somebody that's got size, muscle, can move well with the ball, block. You will see him this year, as well as Easton Dean, who's been around several years at tight end. Uh, but I, I think, you know, it, it's kind of time for him to put it all together. I mentioned the tight ends heavily focused and a usage there going into the fall. Those are three or four guys I'd say certainly not only to look out for, but to expect pretty solid roles here in the fall. I feel like we kind of almost all the time we talk teams, we we start quarterback and we've kind of buried that here with, with uh, Hunter Deckers, but where kind of where is he? I know there were a lot of turnovers last year, but turnovers aren't necessarily repeatable year in and year out. So it's a hard stat to really, pin down on a, a player, you know, or even several players, you know, where is he kind of in his development? What do you, what, what are you looking for him to do this year to kind of, you know, take the playmakers you just mentioned and, and keep the offense moving in a better direction? Yeah. So, you know, I think there were times, <clears throat> excuse me, he was pretty loose with the ball. I think if you watch him, that's obvious to say, but I don't think you can put all the turnovers on uh, him from last year either. There were just times and inconsistencies really throughout the entire offense, David, that I would really hit on, uh, you know, and, and I'll be honest. I mean, after the season, though it, there was a clear lean, like head coach Matt Campbell, OC Nate Shieldhouse, they did kind of, you know, imply and make it seem like there was going to be a bit of a competition at the quarterback position. I, I think that Decker's went into and, and likely left spring as the, as the guy. Uh, and, you know, some things were, I would say, cleaned up specifically in his technique and, you know, just taking better care of the football. Uh, but I think that was kind of the big thing. I mean, it seems oversimplified, but you hit it right on the head because, you know, the expectations he showed his flash, a little bit of mobility, maybe not as much as people thought, but arm strength uh, really performed well in some big moments. I think of Iowa, I think of Texas down in Austin which should have been a you know perfect go-ahead touchdown to Xavier Hutchinson straight down the middle of the field. But that's kind of where I would say things are, David. You know, I, I think steady growth and improvement was needed, but I think the flashes were shown. 
Let's flip it over on the defensive side. That was not an issue. Iowa State lost a bunch of close games, but it wasn't because of the defense. They were number one across the board in the Big 12, scoring, rushing, passing, you know, pretty much whatever metric you wanted to look at. Uh, gave up less than 300 total yards a game. I know they lost a couple, you know, big, big contributors up front, especially Will McDonald. Secondary seems to be the spot this year that they've got, you know, got a really good chance to excel. Are the replacements up front, maybe not one-to-one, but are they good enough to where you shouldn't expect too much of a drop-off? Yeah, you know, incredible unit last year. Great job from John Haycock. And I would say definitely not one-to-one. You know, you're losing an all-time great not only for Iowa State, but in the entire conference uh, and Will McDonald there up front. But I I think a matter of coaching, I would say it's a deep unit, David. And then the secondary, I'll I'll go on the show and say it right now, it should be the best in the conference and one of the best probably 10 to 12 units in the entire country. Uh, Just because of, you got TJ Tampa, NFL player, Miles Purchase going into a third year starting Bo Freeler, who's gotten a lot of buzz really since his freshman year. Several other talented guys in that safety secondary, Jeremiah Cooper, Malik Verdon. Health is a big thing for the safeties. If those corners stay healthy, I feel like that's going to take off a little bit of pressure on that defensive line. So while maybe there's not quite as much high-end pass rushing ability, I still think it will definitely be you know, pretty impressive and a solid strength of that unit. If you're going to be successful and not, I mean, you look at the numbers last year, like if the offense scored 24 points a game, they would have won probably three or four more, more games. But if you're going to be successful against the defense, where, where is the spot that you can, can kind of try to make some, some hay at? Yeah, I think I would probably say, you know, because I mentioned maybe not the high-end pass rushing right now, I I think if you can either run the ball very well or have a quarterback that can get the ball out quick, there's potential there. Again, I really trust that secondary. And I'll say college football fans won't recognize a lot of the names at linebacker to open the year, David. Mm -hmm. For ISU, I mean, they lose a couple starters. One player that was around for – Five years, I believe, at ISU and Orion Vance. But I'm not even ready to say, like, look out for that spot, you know, if you're an opposing offense, because there are some young players I'll mention here on your show. Carson Willich, true sophomore, but but he redshirted, so I guess technically redshirt freshman. And then a true freshman, Jack Sadowski, in the class of 2023. Major players to look out for. You know, it'll be interesting how far up in the – rotations they might be they still have Gary Vaughn who's just a solid really solid uh college football linebacker but I would say I'd put the secondary in just kind of a higher ceiling higher experience type spot if you can get the ball out quick maybe you find some strengths in the short and intermediate game but again I, I expect this to be a top 18 to 20 unit overall how how did they do against running like running quarterbacks um you know your your true dual threat guys Jaden Daniels I don't even know if they played Kansas last year and if he was healthy when they did play him um but just kind of like 
some of those type of quarterbacks because that's what I mean. You see, he's going to have Emory Jones. He's going to he's he's that type of guy. Is is that something that has given them issues, or have they been good against pretty much all elements of the run? Yeah, I, I'm thinking back to like the Kansas game. Uh, you know, maybe it takes a while to adjust a little bit, but you know, I think about against like Martinez with with K State as well. I just I I don't doubt John Haycock that yeah. Oh no, I mean, a lot of people have taken and have taken his defense and 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 kind of done their own things with it. So yeah, it's yeah. it's just really really solid, and I think that's an area I would probably consider checkmark win for Haycock. Yeah. Oh yeah. Special teams. What's the proper word to use? Not not great. Seems like maybe too nice they struggled <laughs> i think i think that's you know the fair way to put it uh they hired a special teams coach special teams coordinator jordan langs who was very well respected uh, around the industry certain around the midwest uh kind of that the coaching industry i should say i think it'll help he's been a head coach before uh, at another level but you know still kind of the, the head coach variety i think that they added some competition in the uh kickers room with, you know, a player like Chase Contreras, a transfer from Nebraska. Jace Gilbert is back, though, and he has had really, you know, more of a confident, smooth time since spring ball. And then I understand you don't want your team to necessarily punt a lot, but they had a really good punter and, you know, one of the best true freshmen in the entire country in Tyler Perkins last year, who was named a a second-team freshman All-American. So – this season, they've got, obviously, the Iowa game and then their Big 12 slate. What, you know, what is, what are kind of your and the fans' expectations and then going into the season and what, what are you, you mentioned earlier, getting back to a bowl game, is that kind of the bottom line, so to speak, and then everything from there is is gravy or, or is, is that, you know, is that going to be a struggle to get back to? Yeah, I really like how you phrase that. You know, I would say you don't know me too well. I'm an optimist, so I, I tend to maybe, you know, go a little bit higher. I know the fans, this is very relevant because it's been active with some of the recent recruiting um, kind of threads and chatter on the boards. I'd say for the fans, some are a little bit worried after last year. I think the hope is at least a bowl game. For me, I expect this team to get back to a bowl game. Obviously, wins and losses are the most important thing. I think that this is where I'm at. That schedule is not necessarily doing them any favors, specifically within conference play. That happens sometimes. I don't think the talent gap or disparity, you know, coaching anything like that is large between like them and several other Big 12 teams that may be favored. So I think that's really fair. You know, I believe the the line for them is around five, five and a half. I tend to lean the over slightly there, David. And I do think ISU should be bowling again, just based on returning talent. I mean, they lost some big names, but they brought a lot of guys left. It feels like we kind of are like our, our stance is there's so many unknowns. Like we're, we could see the Bearcats going four and eight. We can see them going eight and four. And you could tell me that either one of those happened. I can be like, Oh yeah, I can totally see why that happened. The Iowa State and UC game kind of falls in this like for both programs like it's a pretty big game because yeah you guys it's it's in the middle of a tough four game run for you guys 
and it's a home game for us. And, you know, if we're going to have a successful season, we've got to win pretty much all the home games outside of maybe Oklahoma. And we got, I don't know what we did to get as favorable a schedule that we got, you know, going into the big 12 for the first year, but <laughs> the UC Iowa state game is definitely kind of one of those games that I think the winner is probably going to feel pretty good about where, where they might be trending. And then the losers probably like, that's one that we, we needed to get if we were going to have a year that we want. Yeah. Yeah. I completely agree. You know, I forgot about, I remember seeing UC, you know, Cincinnati schedule early. Uh, that, that is something that I kind of took away as well. I'm, I'm totally cool calling that maybe a toss of game. I, I really like, you know, kind of the direction of opposing teams and potentially seeing how that happens. You know, that since he's a team, I think like Iowa state, Look, since he's maybe getting a little more favorable schedule, but like you mentioned, you could see the win total really in like a three or four game type range. What is the over under for for them right now? It opened at four and a half, moved to five and a half. They have, depending on what predictive thing you're looking at. I mean, I've seen them have six, maybe seven games that the the projected spread is within three, two and a half to three points. Yep. So I mean. Two-thirds of their schedule right now, obviously, who knows, but two-thirds of their schedule right now is, quote-unquote, a coin flip. So yeah, if, and you'll if see you, that if a you lot. lose a bunch of close games like Iowa State did last year, you go 4-8. If you win those close games, you go 8-4. and four. Like it, it could go a whole bunch of different ways. Yeah, and you'll see that a lot in conference play. I would say specifically in this conference, I mean, obviously with the new additions of teams, but – you know, there maybe aren't necessarily those perennial powers that you always kind of expect to take it. Uh, I know Texas, Oklahoma are leaving. They have big names, obviously, for this season. But, I mean, they haven't always had the continued and sustained success, specifically the Longhorns in that yeah. aspect. But it'll be it'll be really intriguing. I could see that game going either way. So we'll, we'll get you out of here on this one. Who is Iowa State's? biggest in-conference rival, and why do you hate them? Farmageddon. <laughs> that's not in-conference. It is. I thought that was Iowa. It's not, no, that's, that's not Kansas the, State. Oh, Kansas State. Yeah. Kansas State, Iowa State, Farmageddon. Yeah, my ranch had it. College sports. He's, he's spot on, and, you know, I think it's just because I get this sense of there are two schools with, with good athletics, some of the most passionate fan bases I've ever seen, and I feel like at times both of them feel kind of, you know, maybe disrespected or looked over. And so that's just kind of like the battle for that. Obviously, geographically, not too far away. I would agree with Chad, but, you know, overall, I, I would definitely say Iowa. Well, please, I'll just, from an overall college football standpoint, please uh, don't let Iowa score a lot of points so that we can see Brian Ferentz get fired. <laughs> I don't think they'll be scoring. What else does he have to do? But I will say, I, I think that offense improves a little bit, at least after last year. I, I just love that they put a clause in his contract to where fans will be counting points and, and being they, like, yeah, they have the, don't let, like their own fans are probably like, you know, please don't let, please don't score so we can finally get rid of this guy. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, thanks for joining us. Appreciate you coming on after going out to dinner again. Tell everybody where they can find you, Twitter, 24-7, whatever 
plugs you want to put out there? Yeah, thank you so much, guys. This is sweet, super smooth. So I'm I'm Nick Osen. Uh, the real Nick Osen is my Twitter. And again, Cyclone is there a Alert. Fake Nick What'd you say? Is there a fake Nick Osen? Well, there's somebody. I believe their name is Nico Sen, and it's spelled <laughs> the same name. And they've got it like you know how you do my name. So yeah, I had to take that, great. Chad. That's great. That's like go back, go go on with your plug. I'm sorry. Yeah, and then you know. Uh, like you guys, part of the 247 Sports Network, Cyclone Alert is where we're at. Uh, you know, pumping fresh content every day. I really appreciate it. Thanks, Nick. Anything you need, make sure you reach out, and we will, uh, we will be are you, glad Are to you going to be uh, – are you coming to Cincinnati? I hope to. Um, All right. Well, got to, you know, kind of get the final go-ahead, but that's what I want to get to. If you do, reach out. I, I cover the team uh, on game days as a fan, so you okay. can come, come to the tailgate. Uh, we'll, sh- we'll show you a good time and uh, and come check out the Bearcats and Cyclones. Awesome. I appreciate that, guys. What What are your feelings on Jello shots? Because <laughs> if you go to the Simone family tailgate, they're going to offer you Jello shots. That's it's, it's a staple. Before the game, it'll make me think about it a little bit. If you save <laughs> some for me after, I'm in. <laughs> All right. All right. <laughs> Thanks, Nick. Appreciate it, man. Appreciate it, guys. Thank you. Thank you, Nick. There you go. Nick Oson, Cyclone Alert, as we continue the team ticker tour of the Big 12. Can I just can I just say something? Sure. You know how refreshing it is to talk to people for that cover teams that actually care enough <laughs> for, that, for us to want to talk to them. Yeah. It's it was it's been like we stopped. Trying to find people that cover that cover the teams in the American, we just stopped. We just didn't do it anymore. <laughs> and, and because like, they would be like, uh, "I don't, I don't really know." And we have uh, a lot of a lot of you know involved teams on the network, which makes it easier. Like, yeah, of course I'm going to want to, you know, back when you know in the old AAC days, um, you know, we want to talk to people that are are on our network and. Yeah. That was hardly anybody. Like Billy at SMU site, which and he F- worked for LSU. Like he worked for the LSU site. The SMU site was like a sidekick. Yeah, but it was still the most yeah. most active of the other. Like Houston site was kind of there. UCF had a different guy like every six months. ECU was actually good, but I mean, you know, it's 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 a pain when you're trying to find who actually covers these teams that's willing to, you know, come on. The best one ever, though, was when the the guy that covered Miami, Miami Ohio, wanted us to wanted, pay him. Yeah, how much? How much how are much? you going to pay me? To talk about Miami for 20 minutes? Like, nothing. Zero, zero dollars <laughs> and zero cents. I wonder how I that, I wonder how that goes for all of his other times that he's been asked to talk about Miami. He, he I, I can guarantee he made zero dollars and zero cents doing podcasts covering Miami. Probably so. But yeah, it's you know what it's, he should have said, like I'll Venmo you a dollar. Yeah. Like a dollar. One, here's, one 69, American, here's 69 cents. One American dollar. I will Venmo it to you directly. That had to be the first time he was ever asked, and he thought that, that was like a normal thing. Yeah. Like, no, but oh, he was like how much an, does it pay? He, but he also wasn't like a kid in college actually, or right yeah. out of college. Like he was a, was, 
a capital J journalist of like 40 something years old. The first time he was ever asked and he thought that was a thing. Probably was, but yeah, I was like, uh, I don't even think I responded. I was like, nor should you have. Well done. Uh, but no, it says maybe the uh, Kent State Journal guys have deep pockets and they were they were paying him to yeah. go on and preview Kent State. Probably mm-hmm. Akron, Act, you know, Akron was he he got four dollars and seventy three cents to go on the Akron podcast one time. Yeah, um, but no, thanks to Nick, <laughs> it's it's been enjoyable to. It's not hard to find content. It's not hard to do research. I, you know, selfishly, I'm. Yeah, because beyond football and yeah. basketball and baseball and golf and everything else, like it, it if we're going to be real, it makes our jobs a lot easier. When you have engaged people who you can send a tweet to and they actually look at their Twitter accounts and they're like, yes, I will come on and talk to you about the team that I cover. Dave, uh, one last thing I wanted to, to, to get to. Uh, Brett McMurphy, Action Network. Number of games projected as an underdog in 2023 via the uh, Colin Wilson. Yeah. Whoever the hell Colin Wilson is. He works for the action. Network. Yeah, I don't know. I, I'm not familiar with his work. Uh, he has Cincinnati as a projected underdog in 10 games this year. So I would assume that means that they're only projected as the favorite against uh, Eastern Kentucky. Or do they not do line? Well, I guess they no, they do do line. Okay, they do. Well, yeah. Eastern Kentucky and and Miami, and that yeah. they would be projected as an underdog in all the other ten. Um. Yeah. K. Ford has them favorites in three. Um. But also, is, like, is it? I mean, I guess you have to ask. Like, is this potent? Like, are we underestimating? Like, everybody seems to think that this is going to be like a a three and nine, two and 10 type season for Cincinnati. No, I don't. I mean, like, but you also have like six games that are, see, that's the thing is what were the spreads? Like was the other team favored by one in five yeah. of the games that they're underdogs in well, if, on July 5th? I don't really care. Like that's a pointless thing to, to say. That's fair. You know, so, um, I don't know. It's not it's not really something that I'm losing a whole lot of sleep over or I'm gonna fire off some, you know, tweet about like, okay, they're only favored in two. Are they less than three point favorites or three point underdogs? How many games are they less than three point underdogs in? Right. If there's six games, seven games where they're they're the underdog by a field goal or less, like that's not the same as what it looks like when you say they're the underdog in 10 of their 12 games. Yeah. So. So. Have you started a thread yet? Why would I do that? I don't even know what that is. It's the new Twitter. Well, based on what I've read, it's going to make it about four hours. (laughs) Because you can't see anything in chronological order and you have no control over whose threads you see. Yeah. It's all well, it's it, all algorithm. Wasn't it originally supposed to be like a replacement for Slack? I I don't know, but my tw- I, that's the thing I don't understand. I have three Twitter accounts. All of them work completely fine. I don't know what all these issues are that people keep coming across. Three? What's what's the third? 
I don't know of a third. Well, I, I do some side work in, in the realignment space. Oh, okay. Okay. I, okay. <laughs> I got you. I got you. No, I, I don't really, I mean, maybe, I, I don't know. I've had no issues. So, unless everyone that breaks news and every recruit and every person that covers college football and college basketball all of a sudden is is over at a d- different place i'm i'm not like starting up an account well this is like isn't this like the fourth time yeah that everybody is twitter's gonna die has been dying as long as the pac 12 has been trying to get a damn media rights deal <laughs> like <laughs> i mean come on let's let's be real here like if your thing doesn't work for a little while, it's not like the worst thing thing ever. Yeah, that's not what she said. Well, you don't know her like I do. <laughs> um, but yeah, like unless, like for my personal account, unless a whole bunch of people that cover the NFL just stop tweeting, then then I'm probably going to be on Twitter for a while. Here's the other thing I would say. Like they have changed. I guess today they changed. You can now see a thousand tweets a day. Follow less people, you morons. Thank you. Thank you. Follow less people. Personal account. Hundred something people that I follow. I think I'm up to like 400 and most of them don't tweet. Like it's just kind of a. They're, they're, they're there to see things, not say things. Right. Right. So like, I, I don't, I don't get to a point where I've, I, I need to scroll through 300 tweets at a time if it's really worth that much to you it's as much as a cup of coffee at starbucks for a month right yeah i think everybody now it's it's funny it's the one thing that i think people are just like i'm not i'm not giving that guy my money i've had like (laughs) but like my personal account and the account that i manage i i haven't come across any of those issues neither of those are verified so like i guess maybe i'm like working in this world that nobody else is working in because like i see people say things all the time about spam and direct messages and and all and i'm like i don't see any of this these things right right i don't get any of that either i'm just so proficient at like scrolling and not actually reading something unless i know what i'm looking for or i just don't get it like i don't get random spam dms i don't I see don't all these ads like i i don't know what the what the deal is. maybe i paid for the super duper you know platinum check mark uh thing that i and i don't even know about it well i mean on the bearcat journal account i paid for it well right but that's why i look at my own too though because i'm like <laughs> maybe it's because we do have the the check mark on the Bearcat Journal one, but like on my own one, there's I don't have any of these problems. Uh, you, you you can read ten thousand tweets a day on the the Bearcat Journal. Account. Oh, they changed they changed that number already. Yeah, apparently it's a thousand tweets a day if you don't have a membership, and ten thousand if you do. I mean, Ooh. the hundred. The hundred and something people that I follow are not tweeting a thousand times in one day, so I have nothing to worry about. That's the thing. How much? Like, do some damn follow follower purges, and you don't have to worry about it. And then you'll just have the tweets that you want to read, right? 
That's it's why I mute people because I don't want to see what they have to say. I just block them. Yeah, it's easier if you mute them because then they don't know. I like that they, they know. feel like you follow like, them. You said something. Well, there's so, people I want to know. You, you said something blocked. so dumb that I was just like, "You're out of here." Yeah. But. Yeah, oh, I mean, it. it's it's some of the stuff is absolutely ridiculous. Like it, you know, it does like break, so to speak, far too sure. often. But like, okay, you know, at two o'clock on a Wednesday when I'm supposed to be working, maybe that's a sign that you should like do some more work and get off your phone. Put the phone down, Dave. Put the phone down. Yeah, but hey, as long as them, as long as them crutes are tweeting out commitments and Cass is sending out gifts of uh, Rick of the Nature Boy. <laughs> yeah. Also, look, we've worked a long time to build up a very large Twitter following. Nineteen thousand plus. Down with that shit. That's <laughs> like I said. Unless all of a sudden everybody I need to get news from is now putting that news somewhere else like it yeah so right i'm, I'm fine <laughs> all right i, well, I don't um, have anything else yeah we, we got we got to talk more peach jam oh jace right. J, our guy jace he's he's, he's balling really good he's really good he's is like he, i said uh, do you the think thing with him that go ahead do you think he's numero uno on west miller's board I think him and LeBaron Phylon, in terms of guards, um, like on the on the we're going hard they're, and they're, they're and both, we can get them way up there. I, I think they stand a better chance of getting Jace than they do. Phylon. Yeah, there's a lot of people. Like everybody in the South is trying to get LeBaron. Phylon. Well, if Alabama and Auburn are in there, then it's pretty crowded. Um, wasn't he committed to Auburn at one point? Like briefly, yeah. Yeah. Um, where will the staff be? They will not all be at Peach Jam. Uh, Adidas is uh, going on this weekend. If I was on the road, that's where I would have been. But we have uh, we have club volleyball tryouts. Where is Adidas? Uh, Rock Hill, South Carolina, at a really cool uh, spot that I I liked a lot. Um. It's kind of like like Charlotte, I believe, like the a, a subdivision or a like a outskirt of Charlotte. It's like thirty minutes from Charlotte, I think. Um, they had a really cool facility. I was there last year. I liked it a ton. Uh, but I I had not seen. I didn't get a chance to see Adidas this summer, um, and that was where I was planning to go until I found out that this weekend was uh, Select Volleyball Tryout Weekend. Um, so at Peach, obviously Jace is there. Who else that is in kind of that? Tyler, uh, Tom Target is there. All the Jasper Johnson, LeBaron Phylon, Jaden Quintance, uh, all the team fad guys are there. Um, the family's got a couple guys from Detroit that they're looking at. That is uh, David DeJulius's old stomping grounds. A lot of it, like, just go back and, and look at the coverage I had from Memphis uh, on okay. Memorial Day. And it's it's most, you know, that that's the that's the list of guys that are going to be at Peach Jam. Um, or at, at Peach Invitational, which is the teams that didn't make. 
Peach Jam, but I think most most everyone that they're after significantly uh, made the Peach Jam. So, um, yeah, I'm not going to miss being in that. It's chaos at the Peach Jam. <laughs> it is just insanity down there anymore, uh, trying to get in and out of gyms and finding a place to stand and watch. And it, it, it's it, it, if you've never done it, I would recommend maybe going and checking it out one year because you can get, you know, it's, it's what it's in Augusta, like it's in North Augusta, South Carolina, but you're five minutes from Augusta, Georgia, 10 minutes from Augusta, Georgia, which has a shit ton of hotel rooms for the masters. Well, guess what? They don't have a lot of when the masters is not going on. People staying in hotel rooms, people staying in hotels. So you can get, <laughs> you know, the cheapest hotel room you've had in years in Augusta, Georgia to go watch the people. I don't know. My brother and I were looking up hotel rooms in Reno for the NCAA tournament next year, just trying to see how low we could go. Yeah. How low do you think the lowest hotel room we could find? In Reno? Not even close. $10. Eight dollars a night <laughs> at a Howard Johnson, like just outside of town, <laughs> and it, it comes with a fresh uh, case of herpes. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> eight dollars. Well, we, we were comparing it though, because we were like we were in Vegas for a bachelor. Me and I were both in Vegas for a bachelor party, my buddy, and that place has just gone insane on pricing. And we were like, well, let's what, yeah. what about going to Reno? They got 20 casinos. It's like a little Vegas. It's 45 minutes from Tahoe. That'd be a cool place to go watch the tournament. They got like good hotel casino, hundred bucks a night. Yeah. Yep. So it's, but yeah, um, yeah, eight dollars. Not not sure I'm going to be staying there. No, that that comes with um, it comes with a the travel pack of bed bugs that you get to bring back home to your family. I mean, I'd I would just sleep in my car versus spending. Eight dollars to sleep in their bed. We did run into bed bugs one night on the road. <sighs> so we checked into this place, and it was like we were we were at the. I think I remember you telling you checked in and then left immediately. Like you know, when you it, it was it wasn't a good hotel. When you're staying at a bad hotel, you got to check, right? You also know going in, like we need right. to check, <laughs> right? So you pull the sheets. And pulled the sheets, and there was like two of them right on the corner of the bed, and took a picture, and like I, yep, that, that's that's definitely a bed bug. Don't uh, they don't take a damn thing out of your suitcase. We ended up there were no hotels. Like we had to drive like thirty minutes to get to a hotel to stay in that night because the one we were at was uh, yeah bed bugs immediately upon arrival. Nope. See you later. Yeah, well, next week, this time next week, we'll be talking. We'll definitely have Keegan on. Should we? Should we have two guests, or should should he be our guest next week? Well, because we're not because we're not going to have a guest the week after because that's everybody's favorite episode of the year. D Dave on vacation. <laughs> Uh, 
Uh, we'll have Keegan on. I don't. Let's. Uh, we we probably do need to have a a Big Twelve guest. Because if we're not going to have one the week after, should we yeah. have a Big Twelve guest on while I'm in the pool? No. <laughs> Absolutely not. Absolutely not. We'll, we'll figure it out. Yeah. All right. Maybe we have a guest after. Like you do the first hour, and then we have a guest. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, but then I'm just gonna join. Uh, Aaron, Aaron's in control of whether you get put on or not. <laughs> no, I have access. Yeah, we can take you off from the, from the, from the brunch. <laughs> I can, I can, I have all the same controls you guys do. Oh shit! <laughs> all right, that's gonna wrap it up. Thanks to our guy Nick Oson. Good stuff on Iowa State. Thanks, as always, to our good friends at the Holy Grail. We will see you next week. This is the BCJ Podcast, brought to you by the Holy Grail, right here on BearCutJournal.com.